So let's get started. Let's get started. Um, so thanks everyone for joining us here on the Flashpoint podcast. Um, if, if you've already been listening, you already know that my guest today, once again, is Aaron Thorpe, a uh, friend of the show, uh, is on Trillbillies, uh, appears on multiple Colin shows. Um, you may know him from Twitter, uh, whichever account he is now, <laughs> yeah. having been chased around quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and so uh, last time uh, Aaron came on, we just kind of hung out and shot the shit a little bit about current events and the news, and that's kind of what we're going to do again here. Um, but before we get started on that, Aaron, what's been going on? What's uh, what, what's the last couple of weeks been like for you? What, what, what have you been up to? Oh, man, I've just been, uh, like I was telling you earlier, I've just been kind of laying low, man, and... Uh, uh, Twitter bans aside, I think it was just an opportunity for me to kind of, you know, take some R&R. Not that I do anything else, but um, like we were just talking about, I've just been watching TV and been kind of, uh, kind of uh, uh, just not really knowing, man, what's what's been going on. I mean, I know that, you know, we have, uh, you know, the hearing, uh, the Supreme Court hearing. I know that there's obviously still going what's going on in Ukraine. But I mean, with everything, man, I've just been trying to lay low, you know, because uh. It's a lot to take in, man. It's it's some pretty grim times, and I think everybody has to have that kind of uh, escapism. Whether for me, it's Deep Space Nine, or for some people, sports, or maybe just going outside, you know, touching grass. Maybe that's something that we should yeah. all do, you know. But uh, yeah. how about yourself, man? How have you been for the uh, the past couple of weeks? Oh, pretty good. Uh, you know, baseball season is about to start, which is a really big thing for me. Mm. And uh, yeah, I've just been I've just been kind of plugging along here with the um following the news i guess but i mean as you know as, when we were talking about what topics to even do like i mean you gave me a more coherent comprehensive list than i had kind of thought of at that point in my mm -hmm. head um and i do think I, I know that i know that we have we have a whole list of stuff to get into and we'll definitely get into that stuff but should probably touch on some of the bigger issues um that yeah that are out there. So there is the, uh, Supreme court hearings and confirmation vote and the war in Ukraine. Um, ha has, has the vote taken place yet? I've been kind of offline this morning. Uh, mm. but I, I, I know that it has been moved. It, I mean, she's going to be confirmed. It's going to be a pretty, uh, uh, tight confirmation, but looks like we are going to have another, uh, justice on the Supreme court nominated by Biden, mm -hmm. uh, former public defender. Um, Black woman, first black woman on the court, I believe. Yeah. Ketanji Brown Jackson uh, seems seems pretty qualified. You know, hoping, I guess, that like within, as, you know, as far as this institution goes, I think that you would want someone like that. You, would, I mean, you would want someone like uh, Sotomayor, which it kind of seems like uh, Jackson might be a justice kind of in that mold rather than somebody like, you know, like. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even, yeah, yeah RBG, not great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 Briar, not great. Uh, even Kagan, who who I, I you know is is fine, I guess, but mm. she's a little like uh, friendly towards corporate power for me. But um, of of course, like the you know the the six absolute fucking psychos on the other side uh, are are a mm. whole other matter. Um, but yeah, I mean, what's what's your impression of her? I mean, you, you know, you, you seemed. You, you see, I mean, you definitely brought that up as as mm -hmm. as a point, and I mean, you bring it up now, and you brought it up in in DMs with me when we were talking about the show. Like, what's your uh, 
What's your feeling on her? What's what's your what's what's your assessment? So uh, I I remember that um and forgive me because I don't remember her name. Um, God, man, there was another uh there was another person that he had nominated, also a black woman, um before this, and I or was considering nominating her. Um, I I forget her name, man. I should I should I should have looked this up before this, but well, there were, I mean, like th- like there was a list, or like three or four, like th- like there was a short list, three or four women that he was, he was yeah. considering nominating. And, and one of them, I remember the one that everyone was talking about. Um, you know, she was friendly to corporations and some of her rulings, and I thought that she was going to be the one that he was going to nominate. But then, um, you know, there's uh, Kent, uh, Kentaji Brown Jackson and. I mean, as you said, given the institutions, man, I mean, the only thing, I mean, besides straight up abolishing the Supreme Court, which is not likely to happen anytime soon, if ever, um, you know, one thing I was hoping Biden would do, and I'm not an expert on the court, I'm not a judicial expert, but I was hoping that, I mean, maybe it's risky, but make some move to pack the court to kind of combat, um, you know, uh, the Republicans and the conservatives on the court. But, you know, barring that, that he's probably not going to do, I guess, the best thing that he did was nominate someone like this. I mean, she's a former public defender. I don't know if, I'm not sure if a public defender has ever served on the Supreme Court. And I mean, if anyone knows, public defenders, I mean, are some of the like, I mean, in my opinion, like they're really on the front line, right? When it comes to um, um, local matters, municipal, uh, municipal matters, when it comes to people obviously that can't afford like legal representation. Um, and I know they get a bad rap because they're overworked and, I've had a public defender before, um, but generally speaking, these are people that want to do the right thing. You know, they want to, uh, they want to, uh, I guess, uh, uh, exercise public service, you know? Um, and I think having somebody like that on the court, the same way, if you have a politician who actually comes from a working class background, who's a little bit more closer to the ground, has the ear to the ground. Um, I think this is like the best that we could have hoped for. Um, and I know that there are some Republicans, actually, um, who are on board for a nomination. Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, has slammed some of her uh, some of her Republican colleagues um, and the insane shit she's been saying lately. Um, but I mean, generally speaking, I think she's going to be confirmed. And I don't think it's happened yet. I just checked. So, um, I mean, like, I yeah, just it's, like, it's, yeah, it sounds like three or four of the, of, of the Republican senators are on board. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean, this is the best I guess we can hope for. I mean, you know, Biden, you know, Biden gave that um, that speech about um, unions and about uh, supporting unions. And although the court is, you know, uh, disproportionately conservative, I'm kind of hoping that uh, that she will in the coming years, the coming decades, that she will kind of be like a force on the court for, you know, for unions um, for, um, you know, civil and social issues, liberty issues. So, I mean, it's the best we could have got, man. I guess long, long way around saying is that short way to say is that this is the best I guess we could have gotten, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I do, I, I, I think, I think you bring up a good point about something that, um, that we should, we should talk about, which is, uh, not only Marjorie Taylor Greene, but, but the kind you know, the rhetoric that we're hearing from the right, mm-hmm. uh, right now, Especially around um, uh, Disney and gay rights and uh, and trans people, uh, you know the the far right in this country uh, is is only getting uh, more insane, of course. Uh, but their current um, focus of attack on 
uh, on, on trans people that, you know, and this has been going on uh, for some time. Uh, these attacks have, of course, been, been normalized by, uh, by people like Katie Herzog, Jesse Single, mm-hmm. Andrew Sullivan. Uh, I talked to Catelyn Burns about this um, and in the last episode. Please check that one out if you haven't checked it out already. But, uh, you, you know, they, they kind of – those uh, kind of centrist pundits and stuff did a good job of, of kind of normalizing this hate movement mm. into the discourse and mainstreaming uh, this uh, this just uh, a, a bigoted uh, movement, uh, which is based, which is completely based around hate and and prejudice, and the um, the basic idea uh, behind what they did was to uh, to, to kind of give it this ideological cover. Now, the reason that I'm bringing that up is because what is happening right now uh, with the GOP and with uh, people in power uh you know on on the right especially people like uh, florida governor ron DeSantis, is that they mm-hmm. are taking this hate movement and now they are expanding it uh to attack gay rights something that you know honestly like if you talked three or four years ago you would have thought was pretty much untouchable you would have thought that that there was no way uh that that they were going to go backwards that there was going to be any kind of backsliding on on these civil rights but it already looks like what we're seeing uh, as far as Florida with Don't Say Gay and, and similar bills, uh, other, other uh, anti-trans and anti-gay bills across mm-hmm. the country that that is beginning. We're also seeing uh, these bans on abortion. Uh, one great thing that Catelyn said uh, yesterday uh, in the show, and she said a, a, a bunch of brilliant things, but one uh, amazing thing that I thought she said was, and I hadn't made this connection before, was that you know, once Roe is struck down, as we're all expecting that it's going to be by the uh, far right Supreme Court that we were just talking about, once Roe is struck down, uh, what is likely going to happen is that all of the rights to privacy that are kind of enshrined under Roe are mm. also going to be struck down. And that includes like who you marry, uh, mm. who you identify as, uh, who you identify as, you know, whether or not you have the right to be open with your uh your your romantic sexual life, um, you know, like you, like whether or not you can be open with the fact that you know, say, if two men are married and and they're they're a teacher, or uh, you know, whether or not like discrimination is going to be legalized mm-hmm. uh, or re-legalized against um, gay and trans people, or, or you know, or, or amplified even more than it is. So uh, this stuff has been going on, and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene obviously is is a representative from Georgia, where you are, yeah, um, and. I guess I guess my first question to you about this topic, um, and I know that I know that I said we were going to end with this topic, but I guess we'll just start with it. Mm-hmm. Um, is what kind of audience uh, does MTG have in in Georgia? I'm based in the Northeast, so I don't really know uh, what things are like down there. Um, I know that I know that there is obviously some transphobia and homophobia up here, but it is kind of uh, muted. It's seen as kind of not a a very um, it's it's not something you really talk about in polite society so much, mm. but but what is it like down in Georgia? I mean, uh, you know, obviously MTG has a quite conservative, um, uh, a, a quite conservative district, but uh, even Atlanta. I mean, do you, is is there is there an audience for this kind of stuff? Is this is this kind of culture war? Does does it have a, a broader audience than just you know the the, the far right? Um, well, I'll I'll speak to Marjorie Taylor uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's district first because. Um, on my former podcast, uh, my co-host and I, Pete, we actually did a, a kind of um, profile on her. 
and we found out some interesting things about her district. Um, and if anyone wants to check it out, um, the New Yorker did a profile on her that we use called How the QAnon Candidate Marjorie Taylor Greene Reached the Doorstep of Congress. And people have to understand that the 14th Cong Congressional District um, was actually created after the 2010 census um, when, um, you know, the GOP through gerrymandering had basically carved and cut up these districts and um, pretty much created this district out of a former district which was uh, was stewarded by a Dixiecrat uh, during the 70s, during the 60s and the 70s. So uh, what's, what's funny about this guy, and uh, I'm trying to find his name. Um, I think his name is Larry McDonald. Yes, Larry McDonald. So he's the second president of the John Birch Society, which if anybody knows, that's an anti-civil rights, um, anti-communist, um, super right-wing, um, uh, right-wing political organization. And he, what's funny and ironic about him is that 1983, he was on a Korean uh, Airlines flight um, to Seoul, Seoul uh, that actually flew into Soviet airspace. And he was a Russian conspiracist. And it just so ended up that the Soviets shot down the plane that he was in and killed him, which is kind of ironic, right? Um, and the district that he comes from basically is, is full of Christian fundamentalists. It's full of conspiracy theorists. Um, I'm not sure if this is a myth or if it's true, but it's in the article as well. Um, Mussolini apparently um, gifted a statue of Romulus and Remus, the mythical founders of Rome, um, to the city of Rome, Georgia, which includes her district. So all of this background gives you an idea of what kind of district um, she represents. So she's very representative, I would say, of not just her district, really, but I would say North Georgia. I would even probably say, I know that you know, um, Stacey Abrams is running. I know that we flipped Georgia with Ossoff and Warnock. Um, but she definitely speaks to, um, she definitely speaks to people in this state, no, without a doubt. Um, as far as uh, nationally and writ large, I mean, I don't know, man, because the culture war, this kind of fever pitch that the culture war has gotten into, um, whether it's Disney or whether it's anti-trans bills, I mean, it does seem to have wide-ranging support that's also kind of buffeted by these, you know, these morons who are like useful idiots, or maybe they actually do believe it, but folks like Andrew Sullivan, like you were saying, right, these centrists, you know, um, which, I mean, either they're transphobic or, I mean, whatever they believe, it doesn't matter because the outcome is the same. They and, also, um, I mean, they also boost like the critical race theory yes. uh, 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 trope as well. Exactly. And all this shit, man, is tied, as we were talking about, and you brought up a really good point the last time we spoke, and I have to reiterate it, is that you just mentioned that you would think that since, um, you know, same-sex marriage is the law, law of the land, um, you know, uh, well over a couple of years ago, you would think that the conservatives would realize that, okay, we don't want to beat a dead horse, we lost on this, right, um, and we won't return to it. But not only have they returned to it, they've given it a new dimension, as you were saying last time, you know. Um, with these anti-trans bills. And I do want to mention one in Georgia specifically. Um, I know I'm talking locally, but I think this is just a national pattern that we're seeing. Georgia has kind of jumped into this culture war fray with this athletes bill, which requires that student athletes, um, their gender identification on their birth certificate matches the team that they want to become a part of. Um, fortunately, uh, this didn't fully go through um, but Georgia's going to leave it up to the Georgia High School Association, right? And I bring this up because what one state assembly member said, a state rep said, was that this is a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. 
and this is generally just with all of these anti-trans bills, with all of these um, these these bills that are wrapped up in the culture war, including CRT as well, abortion. Um, yeah, of course, there there is no. I mean, not only from a political standpoint, from you and I, from our political view, is there not a problem? But there literally is not. Like this representative said in Georgia, said that um, he is not aware of any transgender girls playing in sports in Georgia. Right. So this is not actually an issue. Not only is it not an issue politically or morally, but it's not even like 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 quantitatively right an issue um um, it doesn't exist but i mean this is like we were saying last time and i'll just you know shut up here um this is just part of a a a process a long lengthy process that the republican party conservatives have been have been embarking on for a very long time um whether we want to talk about um the federalist society um and kind of like packing in all these young conservatives onto these lower courts that mcconnell did um, embarked on during Trump's presidency. I mean, outpaced Obama significantly with appointing these judges. I mean, this is just the culmination of that project, you know. So, when you take it to the Supreme Court, I mean, going back to um, Kentaji Brown Jackson, I mean, you I mean this is this is definitely you know a good look, but it's 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 kind of a drop in. It's kind of a little. It's how should I say it? It's um, it's too little, too late. Um, and I'll, I'll shut up there, man. But yeah, I, I think that it definitely has an audience nationally. It really does. Yeah. That. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's, it's, uh, it's interesting that you say that like, you know, that like these, <laughs> these bills are aimed at, they're not aimed at really anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I think like the, the, there was one and I don't know if it was in, I think it was in Utah. Maybe it wasn't, it was in one of those States though, that like, I mean, it was like one girl, mm-hmm. one trans girl. Uh, uh, competing in in high school in the entire state, and so they basically, I think somebody on Twitter said something. The general effect of like what they did was they passed this bill just to bully this one kid. Mm-hmm. It's just, but but really, what it is about is it's it's really just about like revving up the base, and they don't really care who gets hurt because at a certain point, uh, it's it's just about power. It doesn't really matter, uh, you know, like like the message that they're sending by by signing these bills surrounded by by white girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very clear. Like the culture war has always been in in the U.S. or at least has been for like the last sixty years has been really, really, really based in um, in this idea of uh, kind of jumping off of, of desegregation. I mean that that is like that is the, in my opinion, is like the that that's yes. the point. Yes. Where a- absolutely. Switch. And so, like you know, uh, abortion, gay rights, uh, trans rights. Um, you know, like, look, I'm not saying that these um, these far right Christians are not uh, like genuinely uh, horrible, bigoted people. But the, the the real core of their belief system is based in this uh, white backlash, this racist anger uh, against, you know, they like what they kind of see as the end of of their um their dominance over the culture, which of course like hasn't ended. I mean, it's been like 60 years, like absolutely is a very white male dominated, uh, society still, but, but any perception, any perception of, of a challenge to that is, is going to be met with, with the equivalent of, of a nuclear bomb, uh, as far as discourse goes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think that one of, one of the ways that we saw this manifest itself over, over the last few years um, was the, the George Floyd murder, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the police in Minneapolis murdering him. And then uh, 
the reaction to that uh, kind of sparking this this nationwide civil rights movement, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this kind of like upsurge in Black Lives Matter activism, uh, which which also, you know, was the, it was the culmination of like four years of Trump. It was, it, it, you know, it came after, uh, you know, this movement had been around for like six years, like longer than that. The police killing of young black men has been a problem for for, for, for decades in this mm-hmm. country, uh, uh, police complicity and racism is as old as American policing itself, et cetera. Uh, but you know, the, the, the George Floyd murder really was a, was a pivot point. And it's interesting that, that, uh, that the reaction to it, um, was to kind of use it to discredit, discredit the, the, the reaction to it on the right, uh, was to use it to kind of discredit like uh, uh, public health measures because yes. this was all like all all kind of swirled around in the same thing. This was like during the uh, uh, this was like in, in in the wake of the pandemic and all of the public health measures, et cetera, et cetera, that that, that came out of that. Um, but uh, but George Floyd's murder and and that that moment was was of course a, like a huge pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. Now. Uh, in the in not in Minneapolis itself, but near Minneapolis, uh, earlier this year, a young black man named Amir Locke mm. uh, was murdered by police in, um, and I'm going to say murdered, even though uh, they, for for reasons I'm we're going to discuss in like two mm. seconds, uh, that may be not exactly the technically correct uh, description. Leg- legal term, there. right? Right? Exactly. Let's, right. Let's just call it what it was. Right? Like he murdered him. Like we saw. <laughs> like we saw what happened. Um, so. Uh, and, and so this, this, uh, city, um, uh, very close to Minneapolis. So they, they, they jump in. It's like very early in the morning or very late at night. Uh, you know, he, he gets up, um, and they can I, can I just, can I just add, can I just add real quick yeah, yeah, that go ahead, go ahead. I was going add real quick that the, the warrant, the no knock warrant wasn't even for Amir Locke. It was for his cousin, right? It was for his cousin. So it wasn't even for, um, Amir Locke, the same thing with, uh, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend was just collateral damage, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Or I should say, Breonna Taylor was collateral damage, right? Right, right, yeah. But 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 her boyfriend that she was with, right, wasn't even the guy that they were looking. Yeah, for. Yeah, he wasn't even the fucking guy. He was the guy they were looking for either. Yeah. So um, so so the reason that I bring that up in like the context of George Floyd is because we just found out yesterday, I believe, mm-hmm. that um there are going to be no charges uh filed in 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 this killing, and. Uh, I mean, we like the, the response so far has been relatively muted. Like we haven't seen a, a, a police station being burned down, which, um, mm-hmm. which, which you know, like as we like. By, by the way, worth noting that um, that received majority approval in a poll very shortly after. From yes, it did. It did. Like Americans were behind that, right? Like you know, yeah. they understood. Um, and so, what I, I guess. You know what? What do you think about this situation with, with no charges filed, and why do you think we haven't seen a huge upsurge, at least not yet, mm. uh, in, in in activism over over this killing? Man, I mean, like you know, I mean, I could I could go on and on about how disgusted I am, you know, um, especially given that it's the same fucking police department, right? Um, I mean, a couple interesting things about the case was that you know, as I mentioned before, um, the no knock warrant was for um, Amir Locke's cousin. Um, he had a handgun, according to his mother, because he was a um, a lift or delivery driver, so he had the gun for protection. Um, the cops in the video, you can see that they have a key. They entered the apartment, and he's shot dead within like you know like ten seconds, right? Um, and uh, Attorney General Keith Ellison, which 
you know, people listening may know, was a surrogate for Bernie Sanders in 2016. Um, incredibly disappointing that um, what what they said was that um, they they're they're not judging this based on the merit of the no knock warrants, which um, were not repealed, um, not really ended right after George Floyd's killing. Um, I think since Amir Locke's killing, they've been culled a little bit under certain circumstances, but they're not banned outright. And what uh, Attorney General Keith Olson said, and um, what the uh, Attorney County said, Michael Freeman, was that um, it's not it's not about whether or not the no knock warrant was um, was warranted, right? Um, sorry to repeat myself, but it's about whether the police officer felt just was justified and felt that his life had been threatened um, um, in a response. Well, I don't, I, I, mm-hmm. So I, I just, I just want, I just want to read directly from what he said. Yes, just, please, uh, because, please. because the wording that he uses, um, like, like I understand, like it's definitely infuriating, but the wording that he's using is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says, current law only allows us to review the case from the perspective of a quote reasonable police officer. Close quote. It would be unethical for us to file charges in a case in which we know that we will not be able to prevail because the law does not support the charges. And it's like, and that, and that's the thing, right? It's like. And this is a larger question about, like, you know, um, the law and about, like, you know, why, you know, when people talk about reform versus abolish, you know, why these are two important distinctions to make. But, I mean, they're, they're essentially, right, their hands are tied, right? I mean, this is the system working as it's designed. I mean, you even look at New York in the case of Eric Garner. New York had banned chokeholds, right? Had banned them, which chokehold is what killed Eric Garner, right? So... Again, like, you know, uh, these are, there are these, I wouldn't even say half measures. There are not even any steps taken to stop these things from happening again. And I mean, I mean, for anyone listening, I mean, it's, it's how, how else would you respond if there's no knock at your door, but someone just busts in with guns, right? If you are armed, which Amir Locke had a league, had the legal uh, right to own that firearm. I mean, you are going to respond in kind, right? And I mean, I don't know, man, what's what's most disappointing and I want your take on this. And this is probably, um, you know, we won't transition yet, but this kind of will lead into the other thing we want to talk about with Eric Adams. I mean, I'll put it this way is that I think I mentioned last time is that it's incredibly disappointing that after the uprising a couple of years ago, um, that not only did we see Joe Biden kind of double down on law and order, not only did we see Kamala Harris be nominated as the vice president. Um, so basically, you have these two people, including Joe Biden, obviously, who um, orchestrated or was the architect of the crime bill with Strom Thurmond, an art segregationist. You also have um, Eric Adams, right, um, who is a former cop being elected as mayor. And you you mentioned that it's like the Republicans tend to double down, right, in response um, to to the left, right. Um, and I'll say the left broadly, um, and not to get too deep into it, but Corey Robbins. Um, wrote this book called The Reactionary Mind. And essentially what he says is that um, conservatism is, is reactionary. It, it is responding um, ad hoc on the ground in real time um, to, um, to these movements. The first one obviously being um, the civil rights movement, desegregation, right? As you mentioned before, this is like kind of a thorough line, right? So I just want to, what do you, how do you, how do you make it? What do you think about, do you, I'll put it this way. Do you think that Americans, why is it that Americans would support um, someone like Kamala Harris, why is it, given her history as a prosecutor, Joe Biden, um, New York especially, right, um, given Eric Adams, uh, why is it that the American people um, seem to be of two minds where they seem to be in support of the protests la- a couple summers ago, 
But then uh, people go and elect um, these tough on crime law and order politicians. Like, I don't understand that cognitive dissonance. You know, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, that's a big question. But, like, yeah. uh, you know, I, I I think that part, I mean, part of the reason that Biden and Harris got elected, of course, is because, uh, you know, um, Trump, people yeah. were voting against Trump because of the, uh, the clear and present uh, existential danger to a number of communities that he represented. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that that's I think that's a lot of it. Um, but I, I think that I, I, look as far as Harris's career goes, and I'm speaking in in, in broad strokes here. Mm. But um, you know, you have uh, you have a woman who, is, who who has political ambitions. Uh, she's a lawyer. Uh, she's working her way up through the uh, up the political ladder in California Mm. um, and uh, you know, becoming an attorney, becoming, becoming a prosecutor is a way to do that. Um, And then she manages to, you know, uh, work her way up to, uh, to Senator and then, you know, is selected by Biden for, for some reason um, to be, you know, because, and and the reason I'm saying for some reason, because their political instincts are not great. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but they're but, fucking awful. We all see yeah, the, like, the dog yeah. shit. <laughs> let's, just, like, let's, just, let's just call it what it is. Uh, but you know, so I think that I think that's part of it. Like, uh, I you know, I think I I don't know. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. I, th- I think that it's just it is the way that these systems kind of are built, and the way that they act, and the way that the the way that this stuff. Uh, I mean, that's the way that you get ahead, right? Yeah. Um, as far as like why people are voting for it, I mean, it's just be, it's it's because the system by intention uh, is is targeting uh, like certain voting groups, mm. and it's only giving you like two options. And so, if your two options are basically like you know this uh, this decaying right wing fossil and his like hardcore prosecutor <laughs> running mate. Or this like absolute psycho um, fascistic uh, oaf and his like uh, you know Christo fascist vice president who like mm-hmm. could possibly be even more terrifying if he was the one. Oh, oh absolutely, he would be. <laughs> you know, because so, he's like, a statesman. He was a statesman. That's what it is. That's oh, the thing about Pence. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pence. Pence. The the, the idea of Pence becoming president uh, in some ways uh, was a little more frightening. Uh, just because uh, he would have immediately had so much credibility uh, mm-hmm. within Washington, but anyway, that didn't happen. So, so it's kind of a counterfactual at this point. Um, I think that uh, I think that's a large part of what it is. I mean, if you're if if you're only given two options and you're going to vote anyway, um, you know, a lot of people are going to to vote for. Uh, vote for the for the least bad option obviously obviously there's always a, always a third party to vote for mm-hmm. um and uh i i you know i'm i'm a big supporter uh of of more democracy uh mm-hmm. in this country um you know i talked i talked with walker bragman uh a couple of days ago about this uh you know my my the, unfortunately the third party options are not that great yeah um, yeah and so that kind of constrains i think um 
a lot of the ability for reform and without really like a viable third option, um, uh, you know, especially on the left, I think people are just kind of given, uh, you know, a, a, a bad or absolutely horrific and, you know, they're going to go with bad if they're going to be voting. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's kind of my feeling. On I mean, like I don't know. Like, what do you think? I mean, like, like you know, like what? what I mean, you live. We, we both live in in kind of swing states, but you mm-hmm. live in, in in much more of a swing state. You live in one that 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 like flips that, mm-hmm. that recently flipped. I mean, uh, obviously, I'm sure that you talk to people who who share your distaste for for these politics and, mm-hmm. and, but, but, but nonetheless, we'll, we'll vote for Democrats. I mean, what kind of justifications do you hear from people that you tie and, and by justification, I'm not saying that they even, you know, nobody needs to justify how they vote, yeah. like whatever. Yeah. But like what, 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 what explanations do you hear? Well, I mean, like, I think, you know, I think when, when we talk about, you know, um, uh, people voting, um, for Democrats, um, who, um, or ostensibly, um, at first, seemingly so, um, I'm specifically talking about the mayor, Andre Dickens, the mayor of Atlanta, who seemed like he was um, kind of all about, if, if not like a little vaguely so, seemed like he was about defund, right? Um, but then, you know, the minute that he's in running for mayor, um, he does a 180, right? And I think what it is, is since COVID, and I mean, I don't want to fear monger here. I mean, I'm 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 pretty sure that there are statistics. There are statistics that merit the fact that there has been an increase in crime. You know, um, I I want to be careful about this though because you remember those stories um, uh, uh, from the West Coast uh, a couple months ago, or I guess last year about um, uh, shoplifting, right? Like there are all these kind of bogus, really uh, um, um, exaggerated stories about that. But I they do think there has been sort of like a a a crime, and if anyone wants to correct me, anyone can, because please, I mean, it's sometimes it's it's easy to get kind of lost in this propaganda. But from what I can tell, in Atlanta, at least, there has been this crime wave, and in New York as well, right? In cities like um, Los Angeles too. And I think what it is is that even if it's not a significant increase in crime, of course, politicians are going to capitalize this, whether they're on the right, which the right is, um, I mean, is want to do immediately without question, but also liberals will do this as well, and. Um, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead, but we'll get to it when we talk about Eric Adams. But Eric Adams, for example, um, what he believes is that, uh, you know, he is, he is especially during COVID, um, um, doing, he's keeping the city safe and he's reassuring people, right? Um, that, um, especially given, you know, ostensibly so with the pandemic sort of coming not to an end, but the, the narrative at least that we have to live with it, we have to live with it. Um, it's like we can all return to our normal lives, but with the added benefit of increased safety from police officers. So I think, long story short, that's a long way to say, I think people, uh, I think people genuinely, just genuinely still believe that we need police. And I mean, that's another question, right? I mean, I don't think we do, but that's another question, uh, a longer question that we won't get into. But I think, like my mom, for example, um, you know, she doesn't love the cops, but she thinks that they're necessary. And if she sees on the news and hears from politicians that there's a crime wave, I mean, her only rational response is going to be, well, we should have more police officers, you know. And you and I talked about this um, um, because I hope I'm not jumping the gun, but you're coming out with a piece um, about um, Georgians uh, who are dismayed um, with the, the performance of the Democrats so far. 
Yeah, and, yeah pe- 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 yeah. people around the country in swing states. But yeah, exactly. Georgia, uh, and, and your comments, obviously, and, and other comments from people in Georgia, uh, key, are, are a key part of it. Yeah, we can definitely talk about that. Yeah, but but I think, I think you know, we were talking about it, and it's like, why, you know, and I'm getting to a point that you made, like, why is it that it, people are voting for these Democratic politicians when um, not much has been done, specifically with the Biden administration, specifically with um, being in control of Congress, including the Senate, with Kamala Harris as the presiding vote, the tiebreaker vote, um, you know, in cities that have elected Democratic mayors, why is it that people continue to vote for these these people? And it's, I think you, you hinted at it, it's that, well, I mean, what choice do you have, you know? I mean, there is no third party in this country. I mean, it gets you, there is a third party, but the, the, the apparatus, the political apparatus that exists um, does not make it easy for these par- parties to actually break in um, and win elections. So people really don't have a choice. And that being said, law and order um, seems to be just sort of this like ambient background noise of American society that without question is a bipartisan issue. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, you would think I, I did want to hint at this because you did ask this. Um, why is it that we haven't seen um, the sort of outrage, right, that we did after George Floyd? And I think this kind of ties into what I'm talking about. I think people just got dejected, you know. I mean, that was my greatest fear and worry after the uprising was that people were just going to, you know, given COVID, that COVID was still going on. And, um, you know, people had to return back to work and they also weren't getting uh, financial aid from the government, you know, um, so they could stay home and have more time to maybe hit the streets and protest. Um, I think it just kind of died down, you know. And I think that there's this sort of resignation. And I also think Ukraine um, and what's going on in Ukraine has definitely overshadowed everything. Um, but just I think it's a matter of, you know, overshadowing, dejection. And um, I mean, just sort of this 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 idea that this is business as usual. The system is working, you know. And um, I don't know, man. It's, it's really it's really it's really distressing and kind of like it's upsetting, you know, because I was I was expecting there would be something. But then again, the. The uh, decision to not uh, to not prosecute the officer was yesterday, but I haven't seen any rumblings of anything happening, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think that's those are all good points. And I think voter apathy and people's general like kind of activism, apathy and activism, malaise, melancholy, however you want to put. I mean, all of these words are kind of kind of, you know, get at the kind of low energy feeling that people have about about politics right now um and in this article that'll uh, probably come out next week maybe it'll come out tomorrow i think it'll come out next week though um you know i I talked to people in in georgia north carolina pennsylvania arizona um and there's just a general sense on the ground that people are just uh feeling like politics do not serve them like there's no uh that there's that 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 the system is just kind of rigged against them. And people are just wondering like, why should I vote? Why should I go out there? Why should I do anything? And I think, I think even, even the reaction to the George Floyd stuff uh, was also um, an expression of that, you know, an, an expression of realizing that electoral politics were not going to be the thing that, that saves us in, in any possible way. And that, you know, there's just no kind of, like there's just no way to kind of rely on politicians that you're voting for to to really make a difference at least at the federal level i think you could argue that they at the local and state level that that's a little bit different i think you could definitely make that argument and i would i would agree with it but um 
So I, I think we should move on to Eric Adams, and I just want to say as well that you know we have about twenty minutes left. If anybody wants to jump in and and call in and and you know comment or question, please feel free. Uh, we, you know we'll be talking for like another twenty minutes or so, but but you know feel free to jump into the conversation. So, um, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit here about Eric Adams and the homeless encampments. Um, this is you know there's been a lot of. Uh, Video, photos, there's been a lot of reporting coming out um, showing the way that the NYPD are just, uh, you know, clearing all of these encampments, you know, kicking people out of their homes um, and, and just generally, like, abusing people, you know, based on this idea from Adams himself uh, that, you know, that, that this is something that we need to do uh, mm-hmm. because... Uh, you know, like the, it's, it's you know for the good of the city, um, and you know if if you've been to New York, obviously the homeless problem there is is quite uh, obviously the unhoused population uh, is is quite large. The lack of services, um, and you know this this is one of the most unequal cities in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are reasons that that uh, that that there's such a large unhoused population there, and the uh, the answer I think is just not to kick people out um, yeah. uh, you know not to destroy their homes not to uh you know just uh, take this aggressive attack mode uh response but uh but that does appear to be what adams is doing mm-hmm. and that is his his approach to this i mean he, he, th- th- there have been a lot of problems with him that we can get into in a second but um yeah, I mean, what's 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 your take on this? What I mean, what do you think? What do you think of Adams in general? I guess I'm kind of. I mean, oh he's, man, he's, he's quite a character. He sure. is. He is. Man, I. You know, I'll. I'll um. I'll credit um. Ed um. Edward Onswego, Um. Who people might know, he writes for Motherboard and Vice. Um. He's on okay, Twitter. Flashpoint at, guest as well. Yeah, Flashpoint guest as well. Friend of the show. Um. At Big Black Jacobin on Twitter, and he made this really funny joke. And if 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 you if you're not in the black community, you might not get it, but maybe you will. But um, Eric Adams is the first, like, old head mayor, right? So what an old head is, right, uh, I guess in the black community, is that they're these patriarchs who, um, I mean, characteristically call everyone nephew, right, even if you're, they're not related to you, um, very critical of the life choices that you make, uh, despite the fact that they hang out on the porch with their Vietnam vet buddies all day and do nothing. And um, it's sort of like this trope of this stern paternal um uh, male figure um who um kind of takes no bullshit and take doesn't take no for an answer right as eric adams has said you know um i think my friend alex is in the chat but uh we were talking about this and laughing about it the fact that eric adams was like um oh no not eric adams i'm sorry this is actually kasim reed uh mayor of atlanta but similarly right um it's time to stop playing the games it's time the games are uh the time of playing games, it's over, right? Um, it's it's very again. I'm using the word paternal, but it, this is very kind of paternal um, sort of um, outlook and expression of politics, right? That has like tragic real world ramifications. I mean, in New York City, I'm reading, I'm looking at this um, article in the Intercept written by Latasha Lenard that came out a couple days ago, and she doesn't only talk about New York; she talks about um, L.A., Portland, Oregon, and D.C. But in New York alone, Eric Adams ordered the clearance of uh, uh, hundreds of encampments, um, homeless encampments. Uh, out of 244, 239 of these sites have been removed, primarily in Manhattan. And, um, you know, without any notice at all, um, you have uh, uh, mattresses, tents, 
shelters, I mean, possibly any food or sustenance that's just thrown out by the police and dumped in the garbage trucks. Um, I've seen this happen before in Atlanta with my own eyes. I mean, it's, it's, it's disgusting that, um, I mean, these, these, these cops would throw, I'm, I'm talking about food, right? Um, but Eric Adams, what, he's, what he said is that uh, homelessness is a cancerous scourge, right? This is a quote from him um, um, on the city of New York. And instead of, as he's promised... It's an interesting oh, choice of mm-hmm. language, right? Yo, uh, dude, it is, it is, I mean, like, fascistic to, to, to the T. Like, I don't even know, I mean, I, I really don't know how else to describe it. Um, you know, kind of uh, uh, comparing the homeless population to either a disease or almost like vermin, right? Um, it's, it's just fascistic in nature. And, you know, instead of, as he's promised, opening up homeless shelters or um, also he's cut $615 million from the city's homeless services agency, which is a fifth of its operating budget. Right. Um, and instead, what he's done, instead of opening up also, um, uh, I think, housing, temporary housing in um, hotels or motels, um, given that, again, as we were saying, the sort of normalization of the pandemic subsiding, tourism is coming back to New York State, New York City. So you know for a fact that they're not going to house um, homeless people in these uh, makeshift shelter beds, right, in hotels. They're not going to do that. So what has this response been? I mean, essentially criminalizing homelessness, right? Um, sending legions of cops is what happened yesterday um, um, in Manhattan to um, sweep away these encampments, to essentially, um, instead of giving these people the services they need, um, to criminalize them. And when you think about, you know, the prison industrial complex and the fact that, you know, a lot of these people are going to end up, um, if not in the hospital or dead, they're going to end up in jail. I mean, it's just this vicious cycle that, um, I mean, can only come from the mind of someone that has a punitive frame of mind as Eric Adams, his former cop, right? So this is happening, I want to note again to finish out, this is happening in liberal cities, right? This is happening, happening in cities which you would think would have a progressive take and stance on this. Portland as well. Um, but no, I mean, they're happening in places like New York, right? Um, so it's, I mean, I don't know, man. It's, it's what, what, do you, what do you think about in terms of, um, what, do you, what do you think is going to happen given, um, you know, uh, the way Eric Adams has been going about with his, his terms so far and just the fact that things are only going to get worse, especially if the pandemic increases, especially if, um, things like food and housing become more expensive. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, Adams, to me, uh, has has always kind of struck me as a relatively unsettling figure. Mm. Uh, you know, like the, like the stuff that he says, the way that he describes the role of uh, the public and the role of police, I find, uh, yeah, I find that very unsettling and uh distressing uh frankly i think that it's uh bad you know um uh, i i think that his attack on on unhoused people is is kind of more of the same right like this is yeah. just this is just the uh this is just the same kind of thing that we've that we've heard from a guy who 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 has declared on numerous occasions that you know that that police will not be interrupted in their in their mm-hmm. um, in their uh, you know when they're doing their duties or whatever. You know that like they're not uh, there's there's no interest in in any kind of accountability. Um, so it doesn't particularly surprise me that his response to 
a large unhoused population in the city is to like pretty much instantly go uh, for the most punitive mm-hmm. possible response. Um, and and look, I think that I think that in 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 a way, there's probably a political aspect to this, and that he's thinking that you know, like, look, uh, you know, Giuliani was a was a very popular mayor, mm-hmm. and this is the kind of shit that he did. So mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, this broken windows policing, yeah, yeah, like yeah, like mm-hmm. this will work for me too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and like I don't know if if that's uh, what is going to to happen, uh, but but I guess that we'll see. I mean. The, um, the, the question that I have, I guess, is kind of like, what's next? Yeah. Um, and that's, and you know, not only in New York, but in other cities. I mean, you mentioned Portland. Portland's a great example. I mean, these are like quote unquote progressive cities in that they're, uh, they have, uh, uh, you know, a vital, and vibrant uh, progressive movements. Um, mm-hmm. They have a lot of activism, and you know they tend to vote uh, to the left of center uh, as far as like you know Democrats and federal elections, and uh, you know the, the 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 politicians that they send to Washington and the you know city government tends to tends mm-hmm. to uh, have have a more kind of left leaning uh, tilt to it. But ultimately. Um, a city like New York, which is like one of the most unequal cities in the world, you know, the, the interests in New York that are, uh, interested in, uh, keeping, uh, the, the, the stratification in society, uh, the way mm-hmm. that it is and mm-hmm. kind of, and, and making sure that, um, that rich people don't get, you know, have to see, you know, the consequences of how they make yeah. their money. Business and real estate, but particularly business and real estate, right? Yeah, like like it's like that for a reason, and I think that um, uh, it's it is it's not it's 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 not weird to see this, right? It's not mm-hmm. weird to see this kind of reaction um, from uh, from from these like quote unquote progressive cities. Uh, so, like, yeah, there's a fair bit of hypocrisy here. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Adams, Adams. Uh, was elected mayor. I mean, you know, he, he, he won the primary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then of course he faced, you know, the token opposition in Curtis Silla, uh, in, in, in the general. So, you know, there was never, once he won the, the, the primary, I mean, he was basically acting as mayor. Yeah. So, uh, and, 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 you know, should be stated that, uh, already, Adams has been, you know, Adams has been in office for like what, like six months? Not, six, not even, like not even four, six months. Four or five? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the, like the like the levels of corruption are 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 like insane. Like already insane, <laughs> insane stuff. Like there's just been like tons and tons and tons of scandals, uh, or or potential scandals, uh, just about like you know this this kind of like uh, back slapping back and forth, um, just like you know uh, handing out favors to donors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like em, em, embedding donors and other uh, interests into his cabinet. So uh, there are certainly, uh, I mean, the, the, he, he's a very New York mayor in that way. Yeah. Um, and Classic so, New York. Like almost yeah, like so, a almost like a Batman like mayor or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like cutting corrupt deals with like, you know, uh, corporate interest and like fucking cops. You know what I mean? I mean it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's very cartoonish. It's almost like kind of unreal how cartoonishly evil and uh, uh, potentially so far already, but even more so potentially corrupt this guy is. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean I think again, like I know that I I know I, I know that I mentioned this before, but I think it's worth like uh, like noting again. I mean, it, this guy uh, told reporters um, that uh, that that people filming police like were so, like like that it was like that, that he was basically giving police permission to uh, to arrest them or attack them or whatever. If they were filming them in in whatever like uh, you know a cop might perceive as like interrupting their duties, I mean like you know it doesn't really take uh, a, a large imagination to to see how that one's going to play out, right? Like that's yeah. very very clear how that's going to play out. So um, yeah, I, I I just think that the, the, like there are just so many reasons to worry about this guy, um, mm-hmm. and and the way that he's treating uh, the unhoused population is certainly. It's certainly uh, a large one of them because, uh, you know, like you were saying, like this kind of language, using this kind of language, uh, it, it just it's just going to lead to to worse and worse outcomes. And mm-hmm. uh, and and I think the people in New York who who supported him or who voted for mm-hmm. him for, for for whatever reason, I mean, we'll we'll need to come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you could have just, I mean, I hate to say this, but like. Like I, but I have I have said this to, to, to some people in New York when like you know it's like well, what am I going to do vote for Silva it's like no like you could just not vote you could just for either of them there's a lot of there's a lot of power man there's a lot of power and you know that's another discussion too you know longer discussion and I'm not telling anybody like I'm not I'm not gonna like you know uh, uh you know uh be be the uh, red flag waving um you know uh, commie here and although I am but I'm saying like you could just like not if. Both like choices are disagreeable to you and your your sense your morals and you know the way that you would want to see the world. Then you just you don't have to vote. You know you're not you you don't have to. But we talked about this. You know we did talk about this. Um and and when we spoke on the phone for that um, piece that you're writing, with especially if you're living in a state like Georgia. I mean it's like Stacey Abrams versus like uh, a neo Confederate, right? And those I'm going to say that those choices. That choice of against Stacey Abrams versus um, someone like Brian Kemp is more agreeable than maybe um, the mayoral race in New York City. Um, but that being said, as you're saying, I mean, like, there's a lot of power in deciding to abstain if um, you are doing so with the mindset that unless certain conditions are met, unless we push politicians for certain conditions and policies to be met, then we're not going to support you. But uh, I mean, it seems like we're, we're still kind of a way off from that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it it just really kind of comes down to like what uh, you believe is is the right thing to do. And I mm-hmm. think that um, you know, in 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 a city like New York, um, I think that you you can get away with uh, you know uh, voting for a third party person for mayor when it's like a Republican against a Democrat. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's like there's no question about who's going to win here. Yeah. Um, you, like you don't have to actually cast your ballot uh, for for that person. Of course, you know, like uh, obviously people are going to have different opinions on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether or not I mean, there, there are different opinions on whether or not electoralism is even a uh, even even a valid uh, strategy mm-hmm. uh, for people on the left and for progressives. But but yeah, I mean, I think that I think that it really does come down to like you know you just have to make your your own decision here. And personally, I would have a hard time. I would have had a hard time voting for Adams. Uh, you know, were I in that situation? Um, Absolutely. And I mean, you know, I'll tell people too. You know, I mean, like 
uh, you know, this is nationally speaking. I mean, I don't, I mean, anyone listening probably, um, you know, will be like, um, right on, but you know, I mean, I, even in the, the 2020 election, man, I understand this is national politics. I, I'm not even going to get into like, yes, I get the grave danger and threat to our democracy. I understand all that cynically. So, because I think it's used cynically by liberals, Democrats, but I do understand the real fear that people had, but Hey man, I didn't vote for Joe Biden. You know what I mean? I voted third party, uh, not because I even thought that candidate was going to win, but because I couldn't subject myself to doing that. So uh, I think, you know, round that this out, I guess, um, you know, in connection with what we were talking about, like, why do people vote for people like Eric Adams? Um, you don't have to, right? Because uh, when you do, uh, you see what's going on right here where you have Eric Adams likening um, the homeless population to, to uh, a disease or vermin, right? I mean, uh, you know, you're reaping your sow, you know? So I, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know what's going to happen. It's only going to get worse, as you're saying, you know. It definitely sets a precedent that's been in motion for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. These, uh, you know, these these decisions and are, are are being made, and the consequences are going to be the consequences, and that mm-hmm. that is what it is. Um, I think I think that uh, bleak note is probably like a good place uh, <laughs> to end it here. Uh, so. Uh, why don't, why don't you tell people where they can find you uh, mm. and where they can find your work uh, and, 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 you know, the other, the other podcasts uh, that you, or the, you know, the podcast that you do record for and, and mm. your other, your other stuff. Definitely. So people can check out, um, I'm actually on three, three podcasts. Uh, I am, I'm a podcaster. That's what I do. Um, the Trillbilly, Trillbilly's Workers Party. People could check that out. Um, Southern podcast based in Kentucky, but we just talk about like kind of regional um, news, Southern news and also national news. And we just kind of laugh make jokes for an hour and talk about the bleak state of the world um and southern politics uh then um struggle session which is kind of focuses on culture um from a leftist perspective hosted by a friend of the show leslie Lee the third um and uh i'm the comics correspondent there um talking about not only alan moore but just kind of anything going on in comics um and then i rejoined um i started a podcast with jamie peck uh jamie elizabeth on twitter called Everybody Loves Communism, where we do the, uh, the theory reading for you and kind of explain um, some of these um, fundamental um, works written by um, socialist, communi- communist, and anarchist writers. And um, we, I co-host that with Jamie and also my comrade Jorge, um, who you can check out on Twitter, Line Goes Down. He's a great poster, great comrade. And um, also, people can follow me on my fifth Twitter account, which is also in the call-in bio. Um, Henry Kissenword. I, I thought I uh, shout out to my friend Alex who gave me idea for that handle. Man, that handle is amazing. I always feel awkward saying it, um, cause uh, uh but it is funny. Um, so people can check me out at Henry Kissenword, Kiss and Word at Twitter. And um, more importantly though, I'm trying to write a lot more. So um, in my Twitter bio, um, or right now you can just go to Substack, uh, Space and Light. Uh, that's my Substack. People can check that out. Um, trying to write a little more and uh, not just podcast. Um trying to be like my man own here and be productive in uh, the the writing game so um yeah that being said um yeah people can check me out follow all that and thanks again so much man for having me back i always enjoy doing this with you man this being the second time this was even better than the last time yeah yeah we'll have to we'll have to do uh uh aaron and owen and aaron read the news part three soon so hell yeah th- thanks everybody for joining us um as always if you are listening on the app uh please subscribe so that you can get notified when we go live if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please rate and follow us uh, so that we can climb the ranks there and also so you can get notified once we get stuff up for replay. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. 
Thanks, Aaron, for joining us. Mm -hmm. And we will see you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.